What up and welcome back to the podcast, you are riding with D-Train. I hope that you're able to sit back, relax, and enjoy this ride as I take you on a journey talking about topics of today and also talking to you about philosophers and free thinkers of the past. So here we go. According to an article by NBC5, the Dallas Police Department failed to get Diamond Ross medical treatment, but neither officers involved face criminal charges due to her death being ruled an accidental drug overdose. On the YouTube video, you can see that Diamond Ross can be heard asking for water approximately 10 times and telling responding officers that she cannot breathe. Tierra Bernard, who is Diamond Ross's sister-in-law, said, quote, We feel a bit traumatized because we had to deal with this all over again. Close quote. The two involved officers, Senior Corporal Larry Moody and trainee William Ortega. Ortega resigned and Mooney received received a written reprimand. Ethlyn Ross, who is Diamond Ross's mother, filed an open records request about a year ago. Actually, it was closer to a year and a half ago. And she waited to hear what was going on with her daughter's death, which by report statements, it was on August 19th, 2018. Justin Moore, the family's attorney, said, quote, It is a gross cover-up from top to bottom. We are seeing officers being protected, and we are seeing a family being treated as less than human, Moore said. The DPD put out a YouTube video on November 7, 2019, that is about 36 minutes and 42 seconds long, in which the whole encounter was from when Diamond was put in in the back of the vehicle until they transported her. I noted that between I noted that between the 10th and 11th minute, the video was spliced four times. It also noted, I also noted that, also noted that the 34th minute and 50 seconds into the video began a numerous and uncertain amount of times that you can hear clicking. The audio seems to be cutting in and cutting out every word or two every time the officer speaks. And the video has gone dark as well. The video would go, actually the clicking would start coming in about every time the officer would speak. And um, just before moments, moments before you see Diamond being dragged lifeless by two officers into the police station. While Diamond is in the car, while Diamond is in the car, they're trying to get her out. And there's some dialogue between the two officers. One officer says, quote, she's breathing. There's also a, a clicking noise as to drown out or seemingly cut off the first word of the, the statement of the officer. To me, it sounds as if the audio got spliced or moved around. The tone of the conversation doesn't really make any sense. It sounds like two robots are making a poor attempt at a human conversation. I'm going to provide you with audio from that conversation late in the video. And you will hear um, the words kind of cutting in and cutting out. And it sounds like the offer is saying that she's dead. And... There's not really much of a, a response and it's not what you would typically expect a response to be whenever something is stated, whenever something is stated about an individual being dead. Also enhance the sound to make it a little bit clearer 
And then also every time someone speaks, uh, the word in which they say is repeated. And I did this in order to help give you a better and clearer understanding of what is actually being said. So you can make the judgment for yourself about what these two officers are saying and the conversation that's taking place between them. Corporal Larry Moody said, quote, I think her last heartbeat was when we got her out of the car, close quote. Larry Moody only received a write-up for punishment, and William Ortega, who joined the department in June 7th, 2017, had resigned. So you had these two men who were basically over or in, in charge, or you could even say that they were responsible for the care of Diamond Ross whenever they were in whenever she was in their custody. So Diamond Ross being in the custody of the, the police department was and should be under the care and supervision of these two officers and she was their responsibility. And they failed to provide her with the medical attention that she had. She'd have asked. There was a, a time earlier in the in the video where the fire department had checked out Diamond and asked her a bunch of questions and checked the heartbeat and so on and so forth and deemed that it was okay for her to be transported straight to to the jail cell, to the detention center, rather than um, have her be taken to the hospital. Prosecutors have a ton of power in the legal system. In the case of Tony Temper, the prosecutor decided not to prosecute the grand jury only indicted the three officers, Kevin Manziel, Danny Vasquez, and Dustin Dillard on misdemeanor charges, deadly conduct. Prosecutors have the power to prosecute or to drop charges and also to add charges to the case. The system picks and chooses what they stand for and what they represent. Judges decide what cases it will try regardless of the evidence that DAs may have in favor of their client. In the Rodney Reed case, there were mountains of evidence and good at that. And his case wouldn't be heard for whatever reasons. The Tony Temper case falls similarly to the Ross case where the suspect needed help and the police denied, mocked, and laughed at the pleas of the suspects and their lives were stolen from them due to the negligence for disrespect for the life of a black woman and a Hispanic man. Then this public information done by the work of the public information is hidden. The lack of duty and honor once again is a miss of our so-called public tyrants. If they serve the public, how are you being served and protected by denial of medical attention of Ross and Tony Temper being treated like animals? The man was rolling on the floor and he was in cuffs all by himself. Why in the hell did he need to be why in the hell did he have to have a knee in his back? To whom and which dragging this woman uh, across the floor on the pavement and also the tile floor serving anyone? How is that serving anyone? They had warrants, which are, you know, so lame and to begin with, so lame that the media didn't even bring up the fact that she had warrants and, and what those warrants exactly were. Regardless of the fact is no excuse to treat someone like they're less than human. In the Sandra Bland case, Sandra's head was slammed against the ground. She 
was pulled over for failure to use a turn signal on property where Sandra says that she was trying to get out of the way um, because the officer was speedily behind her, which is definitely reasonable. And, you know, all of us are put in that situation. And a lot of times we don't even have the time to put on that signal that we just get ahead and pull over. So, you know, this could happen to anybody in this particular situation. I know that Sandra Bland was killed in jail rather than on the street. And I won't go into why she died in police custody. So my question is, in what way was the public being served in this instance? A woman who was a woman who lit a cigarette and had a failure to use a signal needed to be smacked around and spend the night in jail, along with being murdered in the process. Allegedly. When you are upset and you are told to speak or address the government peacefully and quietly, if you disagree with the actions of officials, just wait a couple of days and set up an appointment to tell you to take the time and they want you to take time that you don't have and come to their job or their office and to speak to someone who really doesn't give a damn in the first place. And while they're sitting there listening to your story, they'll shake their head, they'll nod, they'll do all these things in which looks like they're agreeing with you or they understand your situation. But in reality, they could care less. They could care less because there's nothing that they're willing to do in order to help you in your situation. You are alone and there is nobody who is in those offices or are really going to care enough to do anything differently other than try to take care of their own family. When you are upset, you are told to speak or address the government peacefully and quietly. If you disagree with the actions of the officials, so while you're in the office waiting for someone to, to respond to your complaints or your desires, they will make phone calls and they'll shuffle around some papers and walking back and forth in the office looking real busy as if they're really doing something in order to give you the illusion that they are there to help you and that they're trying to get your situation resolved. The ironic thing is that if you become irate or aggressive any way, whether it's just verbally and not necessarily physically, then they'll pretend like they're the victim and that you are the one that's being the aggressor. And so therefore they need to protect themselves from you, which in cases nowadays, more so than ever from what I could remember that law officials and the government are really quick to, to call the cops or to haul you off to jail or to lock you out or to haul you off in jail. It's insane that you can keep someone in jail for three days for failure to signal. It seems like there should have been an initial review of the circumstances yeah. that led to her getting pulled out of the car in the first place. And the cops should have been fired immediately. Like, you're screaming at her because she lit a cigarette? Yeah. In meanwhile, her own car? Meanwhile, this is fascinating. And I feel like, I don't know, you, you and I are probably the same age. There's this, so the cop's 29. If you grew up with cigarettes, you have a different understanding of the meaning of lighting a cigarette. Mm -hmm. So what's happening in the encounter is he pulls her over. What he does is he sees her coming out of this university campus. And while she's still on campus property, she rolls through a stop sign. And then he notices that she's got out-of-state plates, and she's a young black woman, and she's driving a Hyundai, like not a, not a Mercedes-Benz. 
And he thinks, huh, I'm going to check this out. So he, she pulls onto the road, and he drives up behind her aggressively. He speeds up behind her. So what does she do? Well, what any of us would do, she gets out of the way, thinking, oh, he's, he's going to He's going to, you know, the scene of an accident or something. I better get out of his way. She pulls over to get out of his way, and he goes, oh, you didn't use your turning signal. And he pulls, him by, pulls her over and pulls him behind her. Now, oh. by the way, whenever I hear a fire department truck or a police car coming and I pull over to get out of the way, I do not use my turning signal, right? right? You just get out of the way. It's reflexive. Right. right. So her immediate thought is when he does this, is like, oh, this is bullshit, and he tricked me. And he knows what he's doing. That's exactly what he wanted. He wanted to get her in a situation because it's all a pretext. He just wants, he thinks, oh, maybe there's something weird with her. So then he, we have this all on tape, of course, because this is, in, this is one of those instances that was captured entirely on the dash cam, the officer's dash cam. He goes up to the window and he says, uh, he looks at her and he realizes she's agitated. Why? Because um, she's pissed off. And he goes, ma'am, is there something wrong? And... She's like, well, you know, I want to know why I'm pulled over, blah, blah, blah. And then he goes back to his car and he comes back to her. And he later says in the deposition that when he goes back to his, to his uh, vehicle to check on her license and registration, he begins to develop suspicions that she's up to no good, she's got drugs or guns. And so she comes back and they commence to have this increasingly heated conversation. And she lights the cigarette because she's trying to calm herself down. And this is my point. You and I, who grew up in an era where people smoked all the time, know that one of the principal functions of lighting a cigarette was to calm your nerves. And in her mind, I think, in her mind, she's trying to signal to the cop, let's de-escalate this. Mm. And I'm, one of the ways I'm going to show you that I want to de-escalate this is I'm going to take a moment and light a cigarette and just take it down a notch and let's have a real conversation. He doesn't understand the meaning of that gesture. And he thinks, oh, she, he thinks several things. He thinks, one, she's messing with me. She's defying my authority by lighting a cigarette. She's going to blow smoke in my face or something, you know, nefarious. Or she's going to, like, take the lighted cigarette and put it out of my – he has all these kind of weird, crazy fantasies. This is what he said? In the deposition. Oh, yeah. Mm. He, so even on the level – I try and identify in the book – all of the different ways, and this, when I come back to the case at the end of the book, I go through this in more detail, all the different ways in which he completely misunderstands her. And one of them is he doesn't understand the meaning of lighting a cigarette in a moment of tension. Um, and that's you know, still more evidence why you need, if you're a cop or anyone dealing with a stranger, you need to slow down and not jump to any conclusions because there's so much you can miss. Closing, I wanted to talk a little bit about Diamond Ross. I understand that there's people out there who think that because she had chose to, that she chose to be on PCP, that she pretty much, or she deserved to get what she got. And I understand that, you know, when people do things, whether it's good or bad, that they make their bed and now they got to lie in it. But that doesn't mean that they shouldn't have support or help because they have or have had an issue. Yeah, you know, she wanted to get high and she was on PCP, but she didn't ask to die. She didn't ask for, and nor did she call the police asking for help. So the fact that they were even up there, you know, dealing with her 
you know, she, it has really nothing to do with, with her. She was held against her will. She got put in the back of the vehicle and she was hauled off to jail because somebody decided that she was, you know, being a disturbance or she was being combative wherever she was at. And just because that was the case, it doesn't stop her from being a human being. It doesn't mean that her life doesn't mean anything now because she's arrested. People tend to not look at the bigger picture, but they tend to get their feelings and their emotions. It's not normal. It's not a normal thing for folks to run around high all day long. That's, that's neither here nor there. The thing is, is that, that she does have a problem and, or she did have a problem and that she needed help. What she didn't need is for the police to come to her house, arrest her, put her in the back of a vehicle, deny her the things that are God given, like something to eat or something to drink or to talk to, to her loved ones, to make a phone call. She has the right to do these things and have these things. She is not some kind of caged animal. And I don't care if she's black, she's white, she's Puerto Rican, she's Dominican. You can make a claim all you want that, you know, because she's African-American, you know, it happens to them a whole lot more. The fact of the matter is, is that it shouldn't happen to anybody, nobody. And the fact that it happens to African-Americans more so than others, because I know that there's a matter of time that it can and it will happen to me. I've had my run-ins with law enforcement and all of them haven't been pleasant. So I can totally understand the outrage and the frustration when it comes to uh, the black community and dealing with the police. So we need to figure out what it is that we can do and how we can help our community, how we can help one another as blacks, as, as a human race, really. We need to be able to, to talk to our neighbors and get together. You constantly hear that, that the police are a gang unit and that they're they're out to, to get us or that they're policing the neighborhood and they have the same goals in common. Well, why can't we, why can't we being the people have the same goals in common? Why aren't we speaking to each other about what's going on in the neighborhood, about who's patrolling the neighborhood and what to do whenever a situation arises, when the police decide that they're going to come into the hood or to come to your house or to deal with you on the street or wherever it may be. How come we don't have some kind of an organization? How come we don't have people that we can call and talk to and be able to make sure that to make sure that we are being treated fairly and that our rights are not being violated? Not only that, but we also need to be able to to put our we need to constantly be we need to constantly go to to city hall or to the court. We need to be emailing the, the governors and the Senate. We need to talk to the police chief, constantly calling up there, going up there in our free time and talking about these issues that we have. Because even though you know a few people can make a huge difference, we still need the backing of the community. Um, you can think of it like this. If you ever was 
or seen or heard anybody who was about to get jumped, right? That individual, even though they might be strong or they might be fearless, um, that they really don't have a chance against this group of individuals who was about to attack them. So, yeah, they might be able to take out one. Yeah, they might be able to take out two. Hell, they might be able to take out many. And I'm not talking about killing. I'm just talking about making sure that these people are disarmed or they're in a position to where they can't hurt the one person that's by themselves. So you have this you have this individual who is trying to protect himself against this gang or against this group of people. And they're trying to do it all by themselves, which is a very difficult task. If this person who was being attacked had others or had a greater number or had people who had the same goals or, or they had somebody who um, respect the same ideas or ideals that they can be able to to combat the issue a whole lot. Along with Tookie Williams, I've heard of several other people who have spoken of getting a group of people together and they all have the same goal in mind um, to protect the neighborhood, to keep the, the outside forces, the people that don't live in that community, especially, and even those who do live in the community to, to keep them from, to keep them from destroying what it is that they love and that they hold dear, to keep them from destroying the things that they're able to enjoy on a regular basis to live as it is. We don't need people who have badges and guns running through our community and stopping and frisking and asking all kinds of nosy questions, trying to figure out whether or not we're criminals. Either you know that we're criminals or you know that we're not. And ask a few questions and try to figure it out. Shouldn't you have figured that out before you had stopped and started asking questions? I mean, you can go through the law and start talking about probable cause and all of that. But, you know, I'm, I really, uh, my whole thinking once again is just to get people together to, for people to have conversations and social media. People need to have conversations, not just on social media, but pick up a damn telephone, um, Skype. You have these video conferences where you have these video apps where you can send messages back and forth like a Marco Polo or something of the sort. They have the WhatsApp. You can do video confrontation or you can, the WhatsApp you have uh, video, video chatting. Samsung has an app too where um, you can use the Duo on the, on the Sony app. And then I can't remember what the iPhone has, but the iPhone has, the iPhone has an app where you can be able to to do voice chat. You can do video chat um, back and forth on the iPhone. So let's go ahead and use this technology that we have in order to strengthen ourselves and do better. Not only for ourselves, but for our community and the things that we believe in and the things that we love. Instead of just, instead of sitting in front of our TV or in social media, watching videos all day, and watching the world burn. Yeah, we need to stay informed. Yeah, you know, watching these videos are informative and even entertaining. But, you know, 
when it comes down to it, something needs to be done. Something needs to be said. And it needs to be said in a matter we are able to, to help and strengthen one another because whenever government or the state wants something from you, they want it immediately. And if they don't get what they want immediately, they, then they come after you with with force. They come to you with with guns. You know, they whatever the case may be. The fact of the matter is, is that we need to stick together. We need to speak to one another and we need to have meaningful dialogue in which we're able to promote change to be able to find a common ground and be able to get things done because not only is our lives, not only are, is our lives being affected, but our young babies, our nephews, our nieces, all these folks that we love and we care about are being affected. Just think about the future generation and the issues that they're going to have. If we don't try to help them correct it now, they're going to struggle way worse than what we're struggling now. And it's going to be that much harder for them to, to get ahead. Just think about the, the great many things that our ancestors were able to do. But in the end of the day, you know, it really wasn't enough. It was a nice start. So we need to get ahead and we need to do our part. And even if it's uh, something small, it doesn't matter. Something is definitely better than nothing. So we need to step up our game. Hey, wake up. Yeah, come out now. Come on. Come on, stand up. Yeah, come on now. Yeah, come on now.